everybody. My name is Dave Jackson, and this is Tales from the Backlog, a video games podcast where I bring in guests to talk about the games we play. Elden Ring month continues, and today I'm joined by two very special guests returning for... Well, I'm, I'm going to just stop counting how many times these guys have been on the show. Aaron Angles here. I wanted to do the Dr. Hakeem voice, and then I said, don't do the Dr. Hakeem <laughs> voice. The Dr. Hakeem voice, shockingly, uh, went over very well. People were into it. It's because of you. I listened to my impression of it, and it was very bad, but yours, Dave, 10 out of 10 on that voice, bro. You killed it. Yeah, I thought about doing the voice just now, too, and I think I'm going to hold off as well. Uh, but anyway, uh, we, <laughs> we're we also joined by Ryan Arrington returning. Hey, Ryan. Niggas. Thank you so much for having me, as always. It's a pleasure to be here. Cannot wait to discuss... Elden Ring. He's back. He's back. I almost decided to go with the debonair niggas, by the way, but I was like, you know what? I'm just going to hold off and keep it original for now. But at some mm-hmm. point, I'm going to mix it up. And There's always the next so. time. There's always yeah. the yes, next yes, yeah, time, yeah, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So Elden Ring month is continuing. You have heard uh, episodes, uh, be- well, the, the regular episode about the game and then the episode about uh, the open world in Elden Ring. And today we have a very special topic. Hidetaka Miyazaki, uh, the director, the president, I think, of From Software, had a quote uh, before Elden Ring came out, where he said, uh, we want players to feel the importance of the level of freedom that we're focusing on in Elden Ring. We want them to enjoy the game in their own way and feel liberated in this open new world so they can explore at their own pace. And he said, I think because of these things, Elden Ring will be the most accessible From Software game and it will result in more people beating this game and getting into it. I'm kind of paraphrasing now. More people will be able to get into Elden Ring than the previous From Software games. So I have uh, two people here with varying like histories with From Software uh, who really, really got into Elden Ring. And so we're going to talk about why. Why is it that Elden Ring is the most um, approachable uh, hesitate to use the word accessible, but the most approachable from software game. Why are so many people getting into it when maybe they played other games before and didn't have a great time all the time, uh, like I did? So that's going to be our topic for today. Why is from so- why is Elden Ring the one that people can get into? Why is it so approachable? And we'll get into our personal histories uh, with From Software and why I chose Aaron and Ryan for this episode. But before we do that. Um, I want this episode to be mostly spoiler free. So this we're, we're going to hold off on like, especially like, you know, who's the final boss and like what late game bosses are and stuff like that. And yeah, this, it's not going to be quite as strict a spoiler policy as the regular episodes of the show, I think. But I do think that like, since this episode is somewhat for people who haven't played Elden Ring and maybe they're nervous about like, you know, will I like the game or not? I don't want this to be a full spoiler cast. So there's kind of the spoiler policy. We'll we'll do our best, but I, I think if you've played if you haven't played Elden Ring and you hear a name of a late game boss, I don't think it's going to mean much to most people. And then we're going to talk about why this game is, is as approachable as it is. So not as tight on spoilers, but still not like, you know, Wild West for spoilers in this episode here today. So 
let's uh let's get into it guys absolutely you have been so excited for this episode yeah i know me too dude this is i have a lot to say as somebody who is very bad at video games i I cannot wait to hear (laughs) the things you have to say because of that exact fact yeah so the first thing I want to start with is like I picked you guys to come on and guest on this episode because I know some of your like histories with from software and their older games. And so I'm going to let you uh, explain for the uh, the listeners, which from software games did you try in the past? Uh, which ones did you like? Which ones did you not like? Because I know that you guys are not like me where you have played through and beaten all of the previous like modern from software games there's uh some shaky stuff in there for both of you so why don't we get into that first absolutely as far as my end the, what i have played previously uh i come from uh an older generation as far as uh from software uh and that was with tenchu and i've started with the original playstation um not many people have heard of the of the series but in my opinion it is one of their best um i even again enjoy it more than the dark Souls series personally but uh yeah i think the game was absolutely fantastic i think they made up to three or four and then eventually i think they uh, ended up being taken over by another company and it got real bad really quickly so if you played anything like titu z or anything like that just just forget that that existed uh but otherwise the games have been fantastic and even then it was essentially the same the game was very difficult challenging uh if you got through most of the board uh or, or the map and then died towards the end, it would start you clean over. So it was very, very rage-inducing, especially for someone <laughs> at like eight years old. I'm telling you, bro. It would it could break your those old your games, bro. Yeah, bro, those old uh, yeah. games, dude. So essentially, they've kept true to where they started, in my opinion. Um, as far as I, I did play uh, Demon Souls, which they, did they make the Demon Souls as well, or did they is is Dark Souls the only one? No, that was Demon. That was from software too. Demon, Demon Souls. Souls. Well, okay, that's what I thought. Um, I, I did play Demon Souls, which I also loved. Actually, I thought that was fantastic. Um, I played a little bit of Dark Souls uh, as well, but uh, the first one I played quite a bit of, and then it kind of uh, tapered off as the second and third one release. I thought they were good, but it just um, I don't know they didn't capture me the way that uh, Demon Souls did and Tenchu. Uh, but when I heard about Elder Ring, I'm not exactly sure what really. Um, brought me in i mean there's a let's be honest there's a ton of hype around it the marketing around the game was pretty pretty great everyone was talking about it, it was going to be fantastic and um then after the game released and started seeing some of the reviews uh, i don't know i just i just had to and seeing the graphics on it just i don't know the, the game just looking at the game as it was being shown to us was just perfect they did a great job of marketing in my opinion um but once i got a hold of the game uh yeah it was just as good and incredible as i had hoped so um as far, I could have done without the Dark Demon. I mean, the Dark Souls. As far as if there was like a four, if this was Dark Souls four, I probably would not have played it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that, that, I, I'm not sure if they made the new name and everything was good enough or made the big change. I do know Bean was really excited about uh, who, who is it? Is it Jr. that made this? George R. R. Martin. He was yeah, like a, he he was like a main uh, component in creating the world and the story for the game. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I so I know as far as people go for that, they were really excited for the story, and I think that he provided a a great deal uh, to it just from the, the lore side of things as well, uh, which yeah. I think people were excited about before the game even really kind of launched, because everybody mm-hmm. was like, "What is this going to be about?" Um, so yeah, I think it, there was a few things that kind of played into it, but the reason I really got into it, I think, a lot to do with the marketing and just the the excitement around the game. Yeah, and Ryan, you played. Uh, I remember you mentioned Sekiro on a previous episode of the show. That's like right. You, I forgot Sekiro that. was made too. God, and yes. You, uh, yeah, Sek- did you true. end up beating that, or did you did you stop? 
I ended up not beating it, actually. Um, that was a game that I ended up kind of, I, mean, I guess the best way to say that it beat me is the best way for me to put it. Um, <laughs> Damn. I always intended to come back to it, but it was one of those games where like, I got to a point where I was like, I, I just was not ready for this mentally. To yeah. be honest, I, I just wasn't prepped for the the struggle. Um, going into Elden Ring, I, I knew what it was going to be. It was going to, supposed to be difficult, and I went there ex- expecting that, but I just wasn't expecting it so much from Sekiro. To be uh, honest, though, it was from software when I went into it, so that was a lack of my knowledge. But yeah, yeah, Sekiro was one of those, it was, it, honestly, it was incredible. I, I loved the game, but it was just better than me. It's a hard game, and so like, yeah, I wanted to uh, to double check that because like that was their most recent game before Elden Ring uh, was Sekiro, yes. and a bunch of people were kind of worried about like because Sekiro is really fucking hard, and people were kind of worried like. Oh, are they going just like hate fuck difficulty with uh, with Elden Ring coming up? So yes. cool. Uh, Aaron, how about you? What's your history with trying From Software games before Elden Ring? Quick question, Dave: Did From Software make the Harvest Moon games? Uh, not that I know of. No, I, I didn't think Don't so either, think man. They so I their toes into Harvest. Moon. <laughs> yeah. So if they didn't make any of the Harvest Moon games, I really haven't ever played any of their games, and I would say. Half because I feel like when I got to the point where I wanted to try to play those games, they felt really outdated. Like I remember getting Dark Souls 1 and Dark Souls 2, playing through it a little bit and just kind of being like, I this is just kind of too blocky for me. I I know that's a dumb excuse. Uh, I (laughs) this is very funny when I bought. So I to preface this, I bought Sekiro and I told it because everybody was talking about how good it was. It went on sale. And uh, I told uh, Ryan Arrington, uh, I said, hey, dude, I just bought Sekiro. And he's like, you're going to fucking hate it. And I was like, nah, <laughs> man, like this is this looks cool as shit. Did you see any of the boss stuff? He's like, you are going to hate it and you are going to stop playing it immediately. And I was like, you don't know, any, you don't know anything about me, dude. Uh, so I started playing Sekiro and I could not get past the very first fight. It was really, really fucking annoying. Uh, and I'm just not good enough at video games, I guess. Like, if a game introduces, like, an important system where you have to parry, I'm automatically just like, oh, this is going to be really rough for me. So yeah. I played a little, little bit of Dark Souls. I played a little bit of a Sekiro before I threw that shit in the trash. Uh, I, I'm, I'm a really big fan of games like Assault and Sanctuary and Hollow Knight. I do like those, like, 2D, like, Souls-like games. Uh, I've, 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 I've always been into those. I, I, I just think playing on a 2d like plane is, is it's just a lot easier for me, but I got Elden Ring because of what Arian, uh, what Arrington mentioned earlier is I, I, I knew the hype surrounding the game and I knew George R. R. Martin was heavily involved in the process of the story and the world building. And I have wanted nothing more than the new game of Thrones book for such a long, long, long <laughs> time that I was starved for content from George R. R. Martin. So I, I bought the game and I <laughs> and this I'll stop, but this is also very funny. I told Arrington, I told Dave, Dave, I just got Elden Ring. And Dave was like, hell yeah, man. It's a little hard, dude, but you got it. You'll figure it out. And I told Arrington that I got Elden Ring and he's like, dude, you just threw $65 straight in the trash can, man. <laughs> <laughs> that was the funniest thing. But I let, let it be known. I literally exactly what he said. Uh, <laughs> let, let it be known though, is, is I did beat Elden Ring. And uh, if I can do it, literally anybody can do it. So we're, we're going to get into like what about Elden Ring allowed Aaron to like get through and beat it? Because I talked to you throughout like the whole process about it. Uh, Arrington, did you end up uh, beating Elden Ring? Brother. 
<laughs> Arrington, if you walked away mad right now, I'd understand. Dave, that was pretty <laughs> disrespectful, my dude. No, that's it's an honest question because I don't know the answer. Like, did you beat it or not? Sorry. Oh, sorry. Yes, I did. My mic was being weird. I absolutely <laughs> did. Yes. Okay. All right, cool. So we uh, we all got through it, even though um, we have all we all came into Elden Ring with varying, like you know, familiarity with how the games work and um, history with From Software. How about the other like Souls likes, um, Arrington? I know you said you said you got real heavy into Neo before, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Neo is. Yeah. Honestly, it. Geez, it's 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 easy to forget there. My God, they made they're they're just killing the game right now. To be honest, uh, but yeah, Neo was was literally quite literally the game I was playing just as uh, Elden Ring released, um, and I was obsessed. I still am, quite frankly. I just again, I, to, I'm really the hype around the game uh, of Elden Ring. I was just like, I, I don't want to miss out. I, I I don't really know how else to say it uh, because as, as far as I, I, there's even like elements of Neo that I actually enjoy more than uh, Elden Ring. Uh, mm-hmm. As far as like kind of like the the one on one aspects far as the sword play even sometimes with that um i enjoy that a lot but regards that yeah I, neil was fantastic too man it was so fun yeah like it, it, it's weird i think from software is like the language that that i speak i thought neo was too hard and uh aaron mentioned salt and sanctuary i thought that game was too hard i'm like the opposite of aaron like aaron said that 2d is easier for him 3D is like a thousand times easier than 2D for me, unless it's um, <laughs> except for Hollow Knight. But Hollow Knight's like a very special game. I don't think we can, you know, say that like things that are like Hollow Knight, I'm going to enjoy as much as Hollow Knight. Hollow Knight's just really fucking good. So yeah, Hollow Knight is awesome. And, and I did say this on the top three podcasts. We were talking about video games one time, and I, I do think a lot of like why I find those 2D games so much easier. One, I grew up playing Super Nintendo, but two, Super Smash Brothers kind of lends itself to being able to play like a fast-paced style, like 2D, like action-adventure game, like Salt and Sanctuary or like Hollow Knight. And I've just played so much Smash Brothers in my life that that is almost like a muscle memory, natural feeling. When I play games like that in 3D, I I, I don't play those like really close combat, like think about what you're going to do and die a lot and lose to the boss. I'm all about, hey, how fast can I put as much damage into this thing as possible? And uh, the 2D games, you know, Kyrian with Super Smash Brothers consider kind of let themselves to that. So So both of you guys, I'm sure like you, like you said, you saw the marketing and stuff and you're like, oh, that looks cool. But in the back of your head, I'm sure you were like, you know, what is this actually going to be like to play? Like Aaron, especially you're like, you know, I know you, uh, you didn't like Dark Souls. You didn't like Sekiro. You told me you tried Bloodborne before and didn't like how that was. So like, what were you like concerned about with Elden Ring, if anything? Like, what, was there any hesitation or was it just like, nope, here's another $60. Let's fucking do this. (laughs) No, dude. and, And I already spoke on this. The entire motivation me beating that game and there were times where i did feel like i was just fuck i am never gonna pass this because i would go back and i would look at that conversation where errington told me i threw away 65 dollars and completely (laughs) disrespected me on the fucking group chat where i was like i am going to beat this game there is no other way about it and that's when i kind of get okay so how can i beat this game as somebody who is very very bad at games like these 
what's the build? What's the strategy? What can yeah. I do to mitigate my shittiness at this kind of game? And Elden, Elden Ring did a really good job of like, you know, that's why it's so accessible. And we may or may not talk about it later, but like as somebody like me who all I want to do is beat the game. And even though like I did kind of cheese the game with the easiest build, I feel it wasn't like it was a cakewalk, you know, but that that's why I was uh, basically like, I I have to beat this game. It it does not matter uh, if I like it or if I don't like it. Arrington has been right about this seven or eight games in a row. This is gonna be the <laughs> one where I'm like, no, no, fuck you. I'm beating this game. All right, so let's get into that then. So like, one of the big things that makes Elden Ring so uh, approachable, and I'm gonna try to use the word approachable because uh, we're starting to use the word accessible in video games uh, in a way that like everyone like regardless of disability can play the game and japanese games and from software are like notoriously horrible for that so i'm going to try to say um approachable so one of the things that makes elden ring so approachable compared to sekiro or bloodborne is uh build variety and from software in elden ring is very much saying like like here are like five subsets of tools and in each subset, there are like 6,000 things you can do. Like, so if something is not working, there is something else. It's easy to change. It's easy to respec, do whatever build you want to do. So what kind of build did you guys use uh, in Elden Ring? Pretty simple. Uh, I went the very classic build where I'm a, I'm a complete samurai katana ninja nerd. Uh, so anything involving that, I, I, I gravitate towards. So I picked a samurai on the initial and then went into dexterity eventually went into like an arcane just because it seemed like the, the one that people were playing the least um and kind of with my dual wielding i tried a lot within that i tried dual whips though i didn't mess with a, a rapier uh that had some extra crit <laughs> on it that was awesome as well i actually ended up using my black blade quite a bit as uh, my black blade, excuse me my uh, black bow quite a bit as well which was Probably my favorite bow as, as well. It was a it, it was a bow that performed somewhat like a a long bow or a, a bigger bow, but it did like kind of I guess it, it as far as like how it fired, it, it performed like a bigger bow. But at the same, you could actually fire quicker, like a like a smaller bow. So it kind of did both. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of obsessed with that one too, because it allowed me to uh, apply more for my uh, blood loss and such. So yeah, uh, as far as I go, I, I just ended up applying as much status effects to anything I fought. And I would do it in several different ways, using items as, as much as I could. Um, and I kind—I ended up just sticking to that. I, I tried a lot of other builds as well. I messed with some in, uh, intelligence builds a little bit. Um, but I, I figured I was if I was just going to commit to an actual build completely, I would just rather do that in, in another playthrough. So I left something to, to be desired or something to the imagination a little later on. Mm -hmm. So I ended up just kind of sticking with that dual-wielding arcane build for the most part, which nice. I, I loved. Yeah, and you have to you have to understand. Arrington put like, did you say he put some like two hundred or three hundred hours into this fucking yeah, game? In, like, Arrington was constantly I, I was experimenting when I was asking about stuff. I was like, "So, correct. where are you at in the game?" And he's like, "No, nah, I just respect, dude. Now nah, I'm like a fucking ninja, but I can shoot lightning out of my hands." And I'm like, "What the fuck?" He was constantly sending me videos of like different like crazy builds that people had like come up with and shit. When when I say that Arrington completely absorbed himself like in, in the idea that like. I want to experience everything this game has to offer. Like he, he is like the prime example of that. Like that he glanced over, but that that's what he did for most of the game. I feel as you experimented with different builds and just went and fucked shit up with it. Yeah, I would spend, I spend hours sometimes just sitting there messing with the ashes of war at first, learning those things to, to a fault where I was like getting to a point. I was like, okay, I, I, let's finish this game before you do too, 
food much in, in UK because I would I would sit at the at the at the uh, menu for hours just kind of like I did with Final Fantasy back in the days Final Fantasy Seven messing with the different things you could do with Materia. If you give yep. me a lot of options, there's trouble essentially. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, I can do a lot. You mentioned um, status effects before, and that's one thing that I that is like. It was kind of like that in Dark Souls 3, uh, where like a lot of things were able to be poisoned and bleed was really good in Dark Souls 3, yes. but not to the extent that it is in Elden Ring. And that's another thing that makes the game a little bit easier is like if you do lean into using bleed, like I did bleed too, um, or, you know, poison's really good. You can use Scarlet yes. Rot to like fuck up a lot of the bosses. Um, so good frostbite was key for me beating like the hardest boss in the game all of these status effects are like really good and they're good against bosses too and that's something that like you mentioned final fantasy there's something that's really fucking lame in final fantasy where they're like here's like you have like 17 status effect uh spells but none of the bosses are weak to status effects they're all immune to everything so like why use poison in final fantasy it's worthless but in elden ring they're like fucking play around with this stuff. This stuff is good against everything, and it's something yes. that makes it easier. I couldn't agree more. I, I don't know why they, you know, in Final Fantasy they give you all these spells and material and all these cool things. You're like, yeah, enjoy using those for the first twenty hours of the game, but that will be useless to you when it matters most. I promise. It is yeah. like okay, just, well, I'm glad I invested quite all, a bit of time into that. Yeah, you throw out bio too, and it does nothing, and you're like, damn it. <laughs> yeah. Whereas again in Elden Ring, like I said. The hardest boss in the game, I beat the hardest boss in the game, uh, her, capital H, her, you guys know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Well, people listening, you've probably seen her. She's infamous. If, you, if you're if you on Twitter and you're following gaming stuff, you've seen uh, boss fights with Millennia before. The, the way that I beat her was by stacking two status effects, and that's really cool that Elden Ring is like, yeah, play around with these. They're great. Have fun. Yes. Yeah, you could have up to like like four or five. I mean, you could have so many different status effects on them, and they're, they're crippling. Um, and it, but it is really gratifying, just because it really makes you feel like you can uh, let loose the like the the scientist in you, the mad scientist, and and have fun. Because I, I did do that. I was one of the games. I one of the reasons I love Final Fantasy is because of the at least seven, especially is the fact that you could be so um, customizable in your in your builds, which wasn't really I think I think for Final Fantasy in the way that Final Fantasy seven brought it. So. Um, yeah, I was obsessed um, in the in every sense of the word with that game, um, and I will definitely be coming back to it at some point because I still haven't had enough. Even after everything I've done with it, um, with more builds and more more things, especially as they release DLC. And yeah. it's really cool how they were kind of uh, you, you know they were kind of like, hey, yeah, we made this game really hard, but if you like, we gave you the t- we have given you the tools to beat this game, no matter you know what what level of gamer that you are. Go figure it out. That's one of the cool things about it. Now, I cheated and just looked everything up uh, because, like, there's no way I could be able to do all of those things. But at the same time, like, people who, you know, really want to absorb themselves in the game and experiment and feel like, oh, I figured it out. Like, I found the puzzle piece that's missing here. That was really cool. So, Aaron, you kind of hinted at what build you used earlier, but what build did you go with? I just went, I went straight up glass cannon. I was, I went like, I am making my magic as strong as possible and I am sacrificing health. I am sacrificing stamina. I am sacrificing a lot of things so that I can hit you as hard as I can. And I go into every fight thinking, okay, here's what it is. You hit them seven or eight times. 
they can only hit you one time. And and that's how I like you like you know traversed this game. I basically made my entire build around not having somebody get close enough to me to where whatever they were doing mattered. One of the cool things about the game is that you see is like all the different like kill effects that some of the enemies and bosses have where they can like, I don't know, like that giant chest thing like pulls you in or something like really fucks you up hardcore and like impales you on a post. I never saw any of that because I killed everything before it got close to me. And in that that's just the truth. I put almost all of my points into intelligence. You know, Dave throughout the entire game was like, you got to put points into your, your health. If you don't, you're going to struggle <laughs> hardcore. And then he was, he was right. He was right. I, I, I did like, you know, when you get to the end game stuff, as, as far as the glass cannon goes, like these things are not going down as fast as everything else in the game has. Like you have to be able to survive some of these fights, but my build straight up. I, the first thing I did was I started the game as a prisoner, I believe, because I wanted to go like, half magic half fighting in case the fighting thing didn't work out for me i always mm -hmm. have my magic to rely on i, I went out into uh, the world uh i played for about two hours and i was like i cannot do this up close fighting thing like this is not i'm never going to be able to beat the game if i have to get close to somebody so i restarted the game started as the who, who, whoever the fuck the astrologer i i think yeah. is who it was and i'm like uh -huh. i am not getting close to anybody i'm not doing melee combat when a battle starts i'm gonna start shooting and they are going to have to figure out how to beat <laughs> me because because i'm not getting in there and figuring out how to beat you you have to figure out how to get past me and so that that was my whole build glass cannon wizard uh i used a lot of different kinds of magic in my final build but that that's what i was you were doing the, uh, as soon as the fight starts, you're doing the Frank Reynolds. So anyway, I just start blasting. Well, yeah, right. He's like, hey, your, your, your piece. Woohoo. And I just pull out my staff. <laughs> yep. And so I did a, I did kind of the middle between you two, actually. I, I used, um, katanas, but I also used sorcery. So I did that Dex intelligence build and I had a great time with that. So I was using, I was using, you know, Comet Azure, the, you know, the meme spell that melts everything um, in a couple of seconds. I was using that and I was using uh, Rock Sling, which is another really good sorcery. And I was using Moonveil, the um, the katana that everyone like all I mean, things like how I beat the game. Dave is like, that's a part of what I was doing. <laughs> I like that. I did a lot of up close fighting, um, but I used the weapon art on Moonveil, which is a ranged attack, too. Oh, good. And the reason I say that, just to kind of explain what build I used, but also to get out in front of people who may think like that the way that we played the game, because we used intelligence, we used Moonveil, like some of the best things in the game, like that Comet Azure spell is incredible. Um, mm -hmm. And there is a bunch of people who are going to say, maybe not like people who listen to this show, because I've expressed my displeasure with this attitude before, but people who would say like, oh, you didn't you know, play with a colossal weapon, no shield, uh, shit like that. You didn't actually beat the game. And so like, this is again, my opportunity to tell those people to, uh, listen to another show because that's like the opposite of the way i I feel about these games. Even though I've beaten Sekiro, I've beaten Bloodborne several times. Like this is the way I play, get through these games. However you can. That's how I feel. I agree with you. If somebody has an issue, then whatever, play it your own way. Yeah. And nobody is more surprised that I beat this game than I am. Like I, I, I promise. Like that's why I, I, I disagree. Oh, you beat it on I easy am mode. Really yes, I am really very shocked. <laughs> yeah, Arrington's yeah. more shocked than you are, Aaron. <laughs> Good point. Remember when you told me I threw sixty-five dollars away? 
hundred percent. Again, I looked Ooh, at the I'm message. About, I'm about to go re- I'm about to go replay New Game Plus. <laughs> <Woo>. <laughs> Again, there's just too many people who like they they make like the fact that they played Elden Ring with a colossal weapon and no shield. They like make that some kind of badge of honor. Like other people actually give a shit. No one gives right. a shit. Like if you beat the game, cool. But like, I don't respect you any more than I respect Aaron for the way. Well, maybe Aaron's a bad example. I don't respect Aaron for, but that's not an Elden Ring problem. That's an Aaron thing. But uh, like the the way that you beat Elden Ring uh, is not going to like gain or lose like credentials in my eyes. I do not give a shit. I, I'm just glad that people are enjoying this game because it is really fucking good. Yeah, you're, you're right. If you're being a douche about it, like, fuck you, like, whatever. But, like, I, sure. as somebody who played the game, like, on easy mode, I feel like thinking about somebody beating the game in any other way, it, like, I, I, I could not fathom me playing through that game without using some sort of magic. I, I wouldn't, you know? So I, I do appreciate that if you're not like a huge fucking douche or anything. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's it's not that I don't like think like, wow, you you beat the final boss um, with, you know, no shield and no magic. Like, that's good job. But like, if you're trying to like make that a part of your personality and you're like, you know, I'm better than you because I did that, then no, fuck you. You're not. No one actually gives a shit. That guy who got internet famous for fighting peop- fighting Melania like as like a Dude, naked guy well, with a jar yeah, on his let me, head. Let me, let me, that's let awesome. me solo her. That's, that's pretty so fucking cool. cool. I feel like that's they're gonna immortalize that dude at some point in the game. I, I really feel should, that. that's why I love they, the game. There should community. be a church. hundred percent think it'll happen. Yeah. I think they might even make him a boss eventually. Like just Someone as like, will- a, like <laughs> oh, no, I dead no, ass think they'll make him a boss. Oh god, no. I I could see them eventually making it, yeah. Because millennia first, they, there was a meme I saw on Reddit at one point, or just like a, somebody made like a little comic strip where they're like, at when you she says something essentially that you run into, that's when you when you fight her, and they're like made it to where like she stops in the middle of her sentence of like I've never been defeated or whatever, and then it just shows old boy, and it's just like eh, that's true. He he's giving you several L's, <laughs> and the that? entire yeah. community knows about it. Jar <laughs> on his head, dude. Yeah. It's uh, just nothing but a loy cloth, very freaking bodily, very funny. So you guys mentioned uh, easy mode. And so like this is another thing that um, makes this game approachable is, again, there's no easy mode. There's no difficulty mode, uh, like difficulty selection. Um, But people have been saying this for a long time that especially Dark Souls, not really Sekiro, not really Bloodborne either, but like Dark Souls games, they don't have easy modes, but they have easier ways to play and they have tools that make the game easier. So, and one of the reasons that Elden Ring, I think, is the most approachable of these games is that it has the most ways to make the game easier for yourself. So we talked about using intelligence, uh, using magic, which makes it way easier, just keeping distance and stuff like that. But there are other things that make this game uh, easy. Um, I used a shield in my build, and I used the new shield counter ability which is really fucking good uh that made the game easier for me did you guys use shields at all i was not a shield wielder. i i went pure just dps dual wielding okay uh which i very still but stereotypical build very much what everybody wants to do to be honest but still i had an absolute blast doing it so <laughs> i did not use a shield one time i was like i ain't blocking anything if they're close to me i've already lost so okay. i just hold all my shields the the other thing is the um the spirit ashes. So like what yes. we've what we in the Dark Souls 
community have been saying for a long time is that like the game has an easy mode and it's summoning help, summon other players to help you. And so you can still do that in Elden Ring. You can summon other players into your game. Uh, I only did this once and it was for the final boss, but I did put my summon sound da- sign down at lots of bosses and help other people. And I had a good time doing that. But in Elden Ring, you don't have to summon in other players. They give you the uh, the spirit ash uh, items that summons NPCs or an NPC to come help you. So did you guys summon other players when you played and did you use the uh, spirit ashes? Yes, I'm an all-arounder. Uh, when I play games, I look to experience the game, any game into the absolute fullest, like a little renaissance man myself. I like doing it, <laughs> any, anything and everything. So I did, I've got a taste of everything. I I helped people, I had people help me. Um, and, and honestly, some of the best experiences, probably some of my favorite experiences in the game were from being with others, to be honest. I mean, as it is with a lot of the games, to be honest. Um, and I don't think that that's necessary for it, when it comes to Elder Ring, to be able to enjoy yourself, to have others there. But to be honest, for something that uh, the game is, I feel like is known for being kind of more like a single player kind of experience. Uh, the the fact that the PvP or whatever essentially was some of the added some of the more of the highlights of the game for me, I thought was really awesome. Actually, um, one of my highlights actually was we were me and a buddy of mine were playing um, together for the first time. We were in an, an, an area that was pretty difficult. Um, so randomly out of nowhere, we get invaded, um, and this dude's name as we're ready he, he's evading us he, he spawns right in front of us his name was uh 1v1 honor me and <laughs> i was so I, I'm, I'm this is literally how this happened i'm reading his name out loud i'm like oh that's a pretty funny name and as he's spawning in my buddy i didn't realize this is charging up his heavy attack ability which is a weapon that essentially the heavy attack quite literally raises you into the air um and this dude runs up it spawns in within with i'm talking within five seconds he spawns in <laughs> and my buddy as soon as he runs up to the dude i didn't even see that him charging this up lifts this dude into the air and he's dead with one hit and, <laughs> and when i say when i say he, i mean i was in tears i couldn't it happened it just it was because it happened so fast it was all everything happened me reading his name and him getting killed happened within 10 seconds. So I was <laughs> like, he got exactly what he wanted, and he got killed immediately. Uh, it's like it was when you just, see a spider, you're just like, yeah! Bro. And you just hit it with like whatever you got. Mm-hmm. It was really, well, like I said, even still, probably one of the funniest uh, things that I've, I had seen. Uh, I, we ended up fighting again later. He invaded us. Uh, the fight didn't go nearly as quickly, but he still got his. Um and I just love the fact that you can invade if you want to. I've seen people who that's all they do. They just run up into people's places, just try to kill them constantly, and they just have battles. That's it. It's 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 awesome. I love that. Um, but I did help a lot of people, um, especially with some of those fights that you went through. And when you finally beat it after fucking 35, 45 tries, you're like, some people are going to need some help. Some people, I'll, I'll, let me mm-hmm. let me do something for somebody's family tonight. Because, you know, there's some people, that, like, literally, I was like, somebody, some, I just saved someone's entire family situation this evening. Because I know that <laughs> father or whoever was playing that dude was probably raging. And his whole home situation had been fucked up for the last, like, four or five days him trying this fucking boss. So I was like, man, <laughs> I know for a fact that somebody's home life just got better because of me. So, like I said, I had some of those fights, dude, really were just really, really tough. And it felt good just being a part of somebody knowing, like, man, he's finally done with it. Mm-hmm. It felt good. I love that aspect about it. Again, another element that you just really can't get from a lot of the games. Yeah. I had just beaten uh, Commander Nile, who's in uh, Castle Soul. And that's kind of an infamously difficult boss. Um, and so I beat that, and I put my summon sign down, and I was using the Comet Azure spell with the uh, the 
wondrous physic item that gives you unlimited magic for 10 seconds. Yes. And someone summoned me and another player. So there were three of us and we entered the, I have this video saved and I'll, I'll, uh, I'll share it when I'm kind of doing the, like the social media stuff for this episode. We walk in the arena, all three of us drink that same flask and put out that same Comet Azure spell. And we, it's like three Kamehameha beams and just Niall is dead in like three seconds. And we all just looked at each other and we were, we all, we, you know, you can't, you can't really do anything. We can't talk, but you had the emotes. We all looked at each other and like some people pulled out that, that voice that goes, you're beautiful. Yeah. That <laughs> creepy ass fucking, oh my God. Yeah. Those, yeah, yeah. those things the are awesome. thing. Just like this beautiful moment, because when we summoned each other in, like no one knew the other person was going to do that. I think, cause we, we all just had our like katanas or whatever the fuck weapon we had out. And then it was just like, boom, three dragon ball Z blasts. This dude is dead in three seconds. And yeah, it's like if someone had been spending like the entire evening banging their head up against that and they're like, fuck it, I'm going to summon somebody. Let's I'm just ready for this to be done. And then we beat it in such a hilarious fashion. It's a, it's a good feeling. Saying just hours. Honestly, I'm talking like days sometimes where you're just like, okay, this dude is getting in my I, like You have to walk away. Like if you're able to position where you can just grace out, you know what I'm saying? And just be able to come back to it later. Sometimes you just have to submit and, and just power up. I need to, I need to power up. Yeah. Like I need, well, I need me a montage. I need a, yeah. I, I need a montage, <laughs> right? A level up montage. Really? It's insane sometimes. Let's put a pin in that and save that. Cause that's definitely a point I want to hit on later. Absolutely. Ryan, did you use the, uh, the spirit ashes, like the mimic tier or anything like that? Didn't get the mimic tier until much, much later. I have no idea how I missed it. I went through the area and quite literally just passed it. No, no excuse. I was bitter. Trust me. Um, <laughs> uh, but otherwise, I did enjoy using the summons. I actually got really upset with the summons because I was like, the amount of times you couldn't summon and it just felt like you should uh, left a bitter taste in my mouth. I won't lie for a good bit. And I eventually realized like you could see the, the icons when you could literally know when you could summon them and such. It made it a little mm-hmm. easier to at least know why they weren't popping up. But uh, until that moment, it was like I said, some frustrating moments with them. But um, there were some bosses I just simply would not have, have beaten without their help. Um, yep. Or yep. maybe I just simply didn't want to put the time in. I don't know. Either way, uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely used quite a bit of their help. Well, in either case, using those led you to enjoying uh, the game more than if you were like, fuck, I got to spend a week learning to fight this boss, like one-on-one. Like that doesn't sound fun to me, so. Agreed. Aaron, how about you, dude? Did you use the the spirit ashes? Did you summon other people into your game? So, yes, I did. So I I knew that I was playing this game on what most people would consider to be the easiest way to beat this game. So the the challenge that I set for myself was, okay, you're doing this the easiest way possible. The least you can do is beat the entire game without ever summoning anybody for help. And you talked about that Commander Nile fight. I beat that guy in like five seconds. 95% of the bosses that I faced in the game were very, very easy to beat. I didn't use the Comet Assur like all the time, but like, you know, if I died like four or five times in a row, I'm like, okay, how do I line myself up to where I can use that and just end this shit real quick? Uh, but I settled on the, I don't remember what they were called, but they're, they're like these four skeletons with these great shields. Uh, though that specific summon was the one that helped me out the most. So when I'm just shooting shit at people, like if they have to plow through four like 
highly defensive like summons before they Mm -hmm. can even think about me they're dead before they even see me they're dead before they even realize that i'm shooting at them so uh yeah so i i did summon somebody one time but i i don't remember if there was an option or not to like turn off so that people could invade you but i'm pretty sure there was and i'm pretty sure i did because i don't remember getting invaded the entire game the way invasions work is if you are co-oping with another human, then you're open to being invaded. But if you're playing solo, you cannot be invaded unless you uh, unless you use an item that says like, okay, open it up for invasions. And right. that's another thing that like I really appreciated. I hate invasions in these games. I've said that in the Dark Souls episodes that I've done before. I don't like being invaded, and I'm to the point now where if someone invades me in Dark Souls, I will run away from them and make them chase me and waste their time and then jump off a cliff. I I don't like invasions, so Elden Ring basically, it's not like totally opt-in, opt-out, because I do think that like the people who think like the only way I'm going to make it through this game is by co-oping with a friend, those people can get invaded. But for everyone else like us, if you're not co-oping, you cannot be invaded unless you want to. Uh, and that's, that's good. Uh, one good thing about those spirit ashes, which I used a ton, um, I used the mimic tier. And again, I don't feel bad about it. So if, if anyone is listening to this thinking like, oh, Dave, you didn't beat the game. Yeah, I did. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> Kindly um, go fight him. <laughs> I can send the screen shit. The thing about the spirit ashes that makes it kind of even better than having a human player is when you summon a human player to fight a boss, the boss gets 1.5 times HP. And so if you have like three human players, bosses get super tanky. Uh, But with a a spirit ash, they don't get that health bonus at all. So it's basically like two on one, you know, almost like tilting it like the difficulty in your favor because there's two of you the boss doesn't have extra hp it splits aggro up if your spirit ash dies it's not a you know it doesn't end the fight so it makes it a lot easier i use my mimic tier my mimic tier was throwing out spells using moonveil's weapon art my mimic tier was a fucking badass um there was only one fight in the game i think where i didn't use the spirit ash because it wasn't because it ended up being more harmful. Uh, and I can't remember which one it was. I think it was the final boss uh, where the spirit ash would just get fucking killed immediately. And then I was like, oh, I can't fight this thing by myself. I have to summon in a real player. And so I, I summoned a real player for the final boss. Uh, the person I summoned was like dual wielding colossal great swords. And they just like fucked up the final boss, like basically by themselves. Like they even with the HP boost, they destroyed the final boss. So thank you, random player. Um, Yeah. So again, that's another thing that makes these games a little bit easier is summoning, but Elden Ring takes it one step further in the player's favor by giving you those spirit ashes where uh, it's summoning without any of the downside of summoning. It is the only reason I beat the game. Like, let it let it be known, even on easy mode. That's how important those things were to me specifically. Yeah, they are uh, very, very, very good. I think, again, they put another thing that they thought of to put in there just to make sure to show a little love, show some help. Because there are a lot of different ashes. If you enjoy the, the mimic tier, then just like what Bean said, like if you had a certain build, the mimic tier wasn't that good. I mean, it's depending on the fight that you had, it would do some damage, but 
more often than not, it was getting his head beat. Um, mm-hmm. I was kind of like you, uh, Valise, where I, I mine was, I was getting, mine would live and do quite a bit of damage just because I was like in a, you know, balance between pretty tanky and tankyish, and uh, I, I did a lot of blood damage. So, um, yeah, I, my, me and my boy were just slapping together. Uh, me and if I deal with the final boss, I was basically more or less just ended up kind of summoning about halfway through the first phase and the second phase. I, I I brought the boy in, um, and he yeah, we just murked. But again, um. Well, we'll talk about that later, how all that played out. But yeah, I, I do like the, I love the summoning aspect of it. I like the fact that you can bring in some friends. I had a blast just running around, just not even like necessarily fighting bosses, just having a blast um, tracking and, and exploring, finding new things like and running mm-hmm. around with it. It was an absolute blast. Yeah. And that is a, that is a good point to get into the, one of the main things. So when I asked for responses from other people about like what made Elden Ring uh, approachable for them, that exploration, the open world, and the ability to power yourself up by going around and exploring, that's the main thing that people talked about. So we're going to take a little music break. When we come back, uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. The main thing when I asked for like correspondence from people about like what what was it about Elden Ring that opened it up for you, this was the most common thing is that you can go explore, you can go power up, and if something is really difficult for you, you can just say, you know what, I'm just gonna like leave that for later. I'm gonna go do something else. And that is not something you could do with the other games. The other games are pretty linear in like Dark Souls 1 has a lot of places you can go, but only a few places you should go at any given time. Like you can go into some really hard areas, but it's way harder than the area you're in now. So it's not really helpful in that way. But um, I want to start off by reading a response uh, from Katie. Uh, Katie said uh, she had only played Neo uh, before this and uh, bounced off of Neo. Uh, did not find it to be fun or found it to be too hard. So Same. Katie says, yeah, I'm I'm with Katie. I found Neo to be super hard too. She says, uh, the fact that if I was struggling with a boss, I could go back into the world and explore. Um, I could level up a bit and then try again. Uh, This is what made Elden Ring easier. Uh, The summoning was also really helpful. I play as an astrologer, so another one. Uh, Being able to be ranged gave me a bit more flexibility against the bosses, and the game felt like an adult version of Breath of the Wild. An adult version of Breath of the Wild. Uh, The exploration is a lot of fun, and the co-op, it's been fun playing with my husband. We're different builds, so it's great to do the different areas together. So there we go. We touched on co-op. Uh, totally agree, Katie. That's it's almost like flipping on the easy mode switch uh, in these games. But Katie's the first one to bring up this idea that you can go out into the open world, explore. You know, if you go up against Margit, the first major boss, Margit's way harder than uh, you can handle at that point in the game. So it's the game is telling you, like, this is how you should play. When you hit something that's too hard, go somewhere else. Hit the bricks. So is this the experience you guys had, too? I'll just say uh, this is, like, I am 100%, like, 
not mad or ashamed of myself that I looked up like the best grinding spots, like places that like I'm already putting 120, 130 hours into this game. Like I don't need to the exploration part of it eventually kind of lost its luster. I don't need to find play like, oh, hey, I stumbled upon this place that may help me grind. I looked up like, hey, if I'm struggling with something, where is the one place I can go as fast as possible to maximize the amount of experience that I can get to level up? Because Dave was giving me a lot of shit throughout the series, and he he was right about some of it, and he was wrong about some of it. I I told him, like, listen, dude, I'm having trouble with this boss. I'm going to go level up for 20 levels. I'm just going to go grind for a couple hours. Dave was like, the game's not about grinding, dude. Like, grinding isn't going to help you. And he was right about that, and he was wrong about that. Like, as, as far as, like, what I was doing, like, just only basically putting points into intelligence, that extra little bit of HP that I was taking off of an enemy because I was leveling up my intelligence... Uh, help help me dramatically throughout the game. And that's why, and I, I do think you can play those other games and like grind and level up if you want to, but it was almost like they, that the creators of this game were saying like, hey, you're not ready to be here. Why don't you go check out some of the other cool shit that we have to offer? But I, I think Katie hit it spot on with the Breath of the Wild thing and, and it being like an adult Breath of the Wild. Breath of the Wild was not nearly as violent and fucked up as this game was, uh, but it still <laughs> held that same thing where you were like, if I'm getting bored like which you will playing games like this there there is a there there is a like you have to trudge through it sometimes yeah i'm getting bored in this area fuck it i found that uh you know point of grace over here i'm just gonna go over there and run around for a little bit see if i run into anything see if i find anything so i think katie uh, at least made, made the best point uh as to why i enjoyed the game the way i did too well with the grinding like I was trying to tell you that like these games are made so that you do not have to go grind. Like this is not a JRPG where it's like okay, you're super underpowered. The game is telling you you have to go grind. That's that's not what any of the From Software games are designed around. I was trying to tell you that like you could go kill the same enemies repeatedly to grind efficiently or you could just go explore. You'll get those same levels and you'll explore. But then as I as you continued and I realized that like this was helping you both with like how strong your character is but also just helping you maybe mentally like just feel better about how the game is going. I kind of I definitely Correct. backed off I backed <laughs> off of that like telling you you shouldn't waste your time grinding because it was clear to me that like you found this to be helpful for you so I was like okay fine like go grind go with god my son. Via con Dios. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's what it was. And what I will say to that, the eventual, like, uh, again, I did look up like, okay, where do I have to go to get these things that are oh, going to yeah. make my build easy as possible? Eventually exploration to me became meaningless because it, it was all kind of the same thing. You go somewhere, you go through a creepy dungeon, you fight a boss, you go somewhere, you go through a creepy dungeon, you fight a boss. Once I, which is cool and I am totally cool with, uh, but once I had had, Everything that I really needed, aside from things that I hadn't progressed in the story enough to get, the exploration thing didn't hit me as because well, I knew no matter what I was getting from this fight, it wasn't going to be anything I was ever going to use. I might as well put that time into killing 86. What were they called? Aber I don't even remember. Aberlix or something like that. I'm going to go kill these things for three hours and level up three times and <laughs> see if that helps. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Arrington, did you get into... Uh 
get into go out exploring the world and kind of powering up your character that way or finding good treasure? Was that something that like really motivated you? Absolutely. I was kind of like, as usual, just a mixture of, of both things. Um, I did exploring. I did everything that I could possibly do. And then some, I tried to squeeze every ounce of entertainment I could from this game. Um, but I, I, I agree. That's one of the, the things I loved about it. I'm, I'm actually almost the little bit of the opposite where if you're getting your, your, your cheeks beat that you end up kind of walking away, which I did. But actually, one of the things that actually gave me the most pleasure was when you finally got a hold of that boss that had been getting you, that had beat you for 60, 70 times. And then you finally were... Uh, unleashed on the world to be able to roam free and just kind of discover it was it was it was blissful when you're finally done and then you could just go around this beautiful world and just kind of see what else is finally there beat the brakes off of some real simple minions and kind of get your confidence back up because uh, you were sh you were better for the fight again you're usually figured the game out better after finally beating that boss but still uh it, it fucked with your confidence some but mm -hmm. uh, being able to go back into the world, explore, and just have some fun again, and, and beat some things pretty easily was was was, was wonderful. I love the uh, the balance that I brought. Yep. Uh, Rob from Twitter says, "Elden Ring kept me exploring the world without having to inundate me with traditional waypoints uh, like other open world games before it." And I think this was um, this is something that helped me too, because like all the while while you're exploring at least the way I play, is I gen like one of the things about these games is that you don't really have to fight most things. You your character is faster than most enemies. You can just run away. And in Elden Ring you have a horse too. So you you can literally just sprint past everything if you want to. But the way I play is that I kill everything at least once. So like Rob said, you have this open world and it's not built around waypoints uh or like question marks on your map and it's all about like engaging your own curiosity about what is in that fort over there or like okay i see these ruins here what is that or i see there's a fucking dragon over there i wonder what is that dragon guarding or something like that all of these questions that it, it builds up in your head instead of giving you like a question mark on the map to go uh just clear off the the map you know but while you're doing all that stuff you are powering up your character you're finding new uh, weapons you're finding upgrade materials for the weapons that you already have all of those things are making you stronger and giving you this like enriching open world experience which i i talked about in the other uh episodes about elden ring that have been released at this point so this this open world and this like kind of for most people maybe not Aaron cuz Aaron had his build optimized as quickly as possible but for a lot of people the kind of draw to like get you out and exploring that's going to power you up and you're going to have this like I said this enriching open world exploration um experience So we have one more piece of um, correspondence from Charlie, and Charlie says that he had never played a From Software game before. Although I was only recently aware of them, Charlie says, I wrote them off because of their difficult reputation. I wasn't even that interested in Elden Ring until 
it came out and everyone I knew was raving over it. It started to get a reputation as an accessible place to start with Souls likes, so I just decided to dive in. Glad I did. At 20 hours in, I understand a ton about being patient and methodical and learning about your enemies. That doesn't mean I don't still panic and button mash because that's how I've played every game up until now. Still, it's super rewarding and has me a little curious about the older titles. It also has me wanting to go back in 100% God of War uh, 2018 because I feel like the skill set I'm learning here would be beneficial in the Valkyrie fights. So that is kind of like the next thing that I want to ask you guys about, especially you, Aaron, because the From Software games have this famous, other than Sekiro, have this very methodical, like, thoughtful combat. Like, you, it is the opposite of a button mashy, like the old God of War games or like, um, you know, an Assassin's Creed game or something like that. Like, you, you got to be careful against everything that you're fighting. So did Elden Ring get you into this mindset or Aaron, did you just hang back and shoot rocks at everything from, you know, a hundred <laughs> from a football field's length away? Let me be very clear. There are times when you fight bosses that are in areas where they will be on top of you. No matter what mm-hmm. you have to adjust. There are very small rooms where if I didn't have a summon, I would not have survived just shooting things. I will say, however, that I played this game as batten, as button mashingly as humanly possible. That's what I felt like I was doing. If I wasn't dodging, I was fucking shooting or loading up with another magic potion. Um, so I, I, here, here's what I'll say: It's like there, where I will agree with him. It's like I, I can see how like this is a stepping stone, and if you feel like that this is your introduction to, you know, souls type games and you want to go back and play others. That's fine. What I will say is I've tried a couple of the, and they're, they're not like this. Like if from software ever comes out with another game before I buy it, the first thing I'm going to look up is, Oh, is there a magic build where I can stand away from things and shoot at them? Cause if there's not, I'm not, I'm not going to play it. Cause this was the only way I personally could beat the game so you know i i I agree and i i I disagree a little bit with what he's saying but like dave i could not have played this game like this is the close to button mashing you could do as a build i literally dodge shoot drink a potion dodge shoot drink a potion and and then that's what it was and don't let me you know saying something like that you know i don't want it to come off like yeah the game was okay i just shot my way through it the game is awesome and the world is amazing and the boss fights are amazing whether or not i didn't get to experience them the way other people did like that's what kept me going but you know what what i will say is i i don't think i personally want to go back and retry bloodborne you know what i mean i don't think i personally want to go back and you know introduce myself to uh, other from software games because I, i i if I can't shoot my way through it, I, I probably am not going to lie, at least as easily as I did with this. All right. So first of all, uh, Dark Souls 1, Dark Souls 2, and mostly Dark Souls 3 also, magic is very strong, especially like Dark Souls 1 and Demon Souls. Magic is incredibly strong. So you you can play it the same way. Like guaranteed, if you can beat Stormvale Castle, if you can beat um, the capital city and Elden Ring, if you can beat some of these other, you know, magma, uh, volcano manor, if you can beat those levels using magic, 
then you 100% can beat Demon Souls and Dark Souls 1 at the very least. Probably also the other games. And and that's fair. What I will say is like I uh, again, I stopped playing Dark Souls 2 cuz it just felt outdated to me, but I played Sekiro and I played um shit, what was the I I I played Bloodborne? Sekiro and Bloodborne and yeah. I didn't have an option like that in those games, which is why I stopped playing them very quickly. I guess it just depends on like the kind of the kind of build that you're doing. If this guy's like cruising through this, like, you know, doing hand to hand combat, then yeah, absolutely. I can see how that would like open a door, why this is a good stepping stone. But for me personally, if they make a game where I don't have those kinds of options, I'm I'm, I'm not going to play it. I put myself through enough doing this as easily as possible. I, I could not make it any harder on myself or I never would have beat Elden Ring. Well, I, I'm just telling you, like, as someone who's played Demon Souls and I've played Dark Souls multiple times, like, you 100% can play Demon Souls and Dark Souls the same way. You can definitely do that. But, uh, like, there are some things that aren't there, like the spirit ashes and stuff like that. Um, Ryan, how about you? Did, did you think... I, I mean, you had more experience with from software before this, but do you think Elden Ring was, uh, would be a stepping stone into like feeling more comfortable with some of the other games or even wanting to go play Dark Souls 3, for example? Absolutely. Excuse me. Absolutely. I think that uh, once you, actually, a perfect example of well, going back to Neo um, after playing uh, Elden Ring, um, I was playing the game completely differently than I had prior. Um, and it worked really, really well. It actually made the things quite, quite easier because in Neo, blocking is a super viable option, but so is evading. But I chose to block because I like parrying things and then carrying and, and ruining people with it. But yeah, mm-hmm. I started evading a lot more, and it actually made the game a lot more approachable. Um, I just started, I, I kind of naturally. So I absolutely can see why people would look at that and be like, yeah, oh yeah, I could probably take this game on because of that. Now, uh, to be fair, uh, for all you listening, going into Sekiro. Just, just think twice, because uh, the game, I think, again, is different. It is. It really is. It is one of the few games where I feel like it's like if you are playing the way the game wants you to, period. Uh, that's uh-huh. not like how I felt like with Elden Ring, where you kind of kind of invent how you wanted to play, find a way. Yeah. And with Sekiro, it's a lot more good luck. God bless you. Yeah. So, <laughs> great point, man. Great point. They're polar opposites, man. Like, yeah. Sekiro could not be more, like... From software saying like this is how you have to play. That's how Sekiro Agreed. is. There is one way to play agree. Sekiro, and there yep. are a million ways to play Elden Ring. And Bloodborne is a little bit closer to Sekiro, and then the Dark Souls games are much closer to Elden Ring. There's so many ways to play Dark Souls, but Elden Ring just like added a bunch of layers on top of that to make it like the ultimate like expression of freedom uh, throughout Elden Ring. I'm yes. I'm with, um, I agree with what Charlie said. Like, I think Elden Ring is a great first from software game uh, because of all the tools they give you. I actually think Elden Ring is one of the harder from software games, but they give you so many tools to deal with that difficulty. I think Demon's Souls is actually like the easiest, but they're just, you know, there's no shield counter when you block. There's no hidden posture meter and you know critical attacks like there is an elden ring there's no spirit ashes and it's actually hard to find player cooperators in demon souls because not many people are playing it 
not many people have a PS5. So like, or a PS3, like fucking forget about finding people to play on a PS3 version. I actually think they shut down the servers. So maybe you need to emulate it if you want to do that now. I don't know. Anyway, the point stands. Elden Ring is like the ultimate in just giving you so many options to get over the difficulty, even though I think it is like the most difficult. It's one of the most difficult ones. Some of the bosses in Elden Ring are harder than any boss I've fought in a Dark Souls game. Like Millennia, shit. Like the (laughs) Clay Davis, shit. Millennia. (laughs) And then like the final boss of Elden Ring, I think is one of the hardest bosses in the entire From Software catalog. Um, Some of the other ones like leading up to it are super difficult, but they just give you so many ways to deal with it that even though... Millennia is the hardest boss, I think, in any FromSoft game or like one of the hardest ones. I didn't, it took me maybe 20 tries to beat Millennia, but it took me more tries to beat the final boss of like the Bloodborne DLC. It took me more tries to beat that because there's just less options to do it. Yeah. That fucking frost giant, dude. I, the fire giant, fire giant. I had to like, I had to beat that without any help. I thought that was harder than the uh, final boss simply because like I had no choice but to beat it like with that summon because I, I was still at that point where I was like, I was reservist of like, no, 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 Aaron. This is because up to that point, I really hadn't had a whole lot of trouble. That fire giant dude had me like Arrington. You were talking about when you were playing Sekiro and you fucking you were like squeezing your controller and you knew that <laughs> if you got any more mad that that thing was going to crush in your hands. Like I remember like putting it down and going out and smoking a cigarette and like t- texting Dave be like I hate the fire giant. Dave's like well you know you sometimes you know in life you have to get over these humps and you know you'll be better for it at the end. I'm like Dave fuck you do not be nice to me right now. Tell me I'm a bitch because that's what I need to hear. <laughs> I dude. <laughs> First of all, you, you there's an NPC summon for the sire, the fire giant, and you can use your that spirit ashes. My, my build was in, not no, it wasn't working. It was not working. Kill that part inside of you that says you have to beat everything without summoning. Just kill that. It's it makes the game less True. fun. I it had to great. get close to it no matter what. That's the thing. It's like to beat the fire, you have to be on top of it. And up to that point, I had not had to be on top of anybody. Like that was the one fight where I was like, okay, Aaron, like your build is pretty much useless right now. And you're definitely not going to go respect. How are you going to beat this fucking thing while also having to be like on its fucking dick the whole game? Cause like this or the whole fight, because this is, that was the first time where I was ever like, fuck this. I <laughs> might not be able to finish this game. Like, I know I you have. You did talk about that fire giant fight for a while, bro. I was I was legitimately tilted, and I get tilted playing any video game, and everybody knows Just literally that. for no reason at all. And, yep, and but I was I was harnessing yeah, right? <laughs> I was I was harnessing that patience for this game because I so badly wanted to prove Arrington wrong that I was like, no, no, just be patient. Just do it over and over again. Eventually, you're going to get it, dude. That was the one time I was like, man, fuck Elden Ring, dude. This game sucks. Well. Whatever it takes, if it's spite or enjoying the game, if you want to uh, if you want to rub it in Arrington's face that you didn't throw $65 in the trash, whatever it takes to get you through it, yes. I'm Whatever gets it. it done. Whatever gets yeah. it done. I feel only pride from, from knowing that. Is there anything else that you guys thought was like noteworthy in making Elden Ring more enjoyable as like for Aaron, someone who 
had never been able to connect with a From Software game for Arrington, who has like enjoyed them with varying degrees of success before. Is there anything else you guys want to bring up that helped you get through it, helped you enjoy it more? I really cannot gloss over the fact that the sole reason I bought this game uh, aside from the hype and you know whatever the sole reason i bought this game was because george r. r martin was working on it like i i've talked about this on the top three podcasts i've never got to talk about it on here and i will make this very brief but i and i said it or i am i was starved for something that he created because i have been waiting so so long for that book to come out and the tv show left an aw- game of thrones left an awful taste in my mouth I wanted something from him that I was going to enjoy. And I know if he's doing, you know, storyboard work, if he's helping coming up with the world building or the characters, like I know if I'm going into this, like it's it's going to be super interesting. And while it was extremely minimalistic in its in its dialogue and its character development and things like that, you you just felt so in the world. It, it was it was like playing Skyrim. For the very first time, or if you want to go even farther back, it was like playing uh, Ocarina of Time for the very first time. And and you don't get that feeling when you play games like this all the time. So, you know, I, I, I know I've glossed over a couple of different things here, but like I needed that from George R. R. Martin. And it ended up being like the kind of game that I actually like to play while it was hard. It was awesome. But that's that's why I did it. And that's why I, I kept with it, because like I was engrossed in that story, regardless of how minimalist it was. And I was engrossed in that world because it was so well crafted, it was so beautifully put together that you're constantly seeing things that you haven't seen. You get 80 hours into the game. You see an enemy do something you've never seen before. You know, it, it was mm-hmm. constantly keeping itself fresh. But you know, that, that that just if I'm going to add anything else onto it, like I, I, we didn't really talk about the story or anything like that. And while you do not get a lot, which I like, uh, it's it still managed to like hold some weight at like the big story moments. There was still a little bit of emotion going into it, you know. Mm-hmm. Did you feel like when you were playing, you could notice like, oh, that's a George R. R. Martin thing, like that. That feels like George R. R. Martin wrote this because I sure I mean, as fuck did not. Like y- yes and no. Like yes, like you know some, some no. The answer is no, Dave. I, I some, didn't feel like there was anything Game of Thronesy about it, but it is set in a medieval world, and George R. R. Martin's he, you know he's proven himself to like he he can create a character and he can create a world that doesn't make any sense. So in in that aspect, yes, but like nothing. George R. Martin, like where, oh, George R. R. Martin did that part. Yeah, I can tell because I'm such a huge fan. Not so, not really. Yeah, so like what, what he actually did was he's the one who wrote the character backstories and like the world building and stuff like that. And then up until the point of the shattering of the Elden Ring, right? And then From Software took the storytelling over from there. So the state of the world as it is, that's From Software who the characters were before everything went to shit, that's George R. R. Martin. So I, I think you can tell like from some of the weird family relationships and stuff like that, like that's George R. R. Martin's thing, right? Is making these fucked up families. Especially that's- if you go and you, you learn stuff about the lore. Like, like I, I, I still, even after I beat it, I didn't feel like I was like, oh, I know, ex- I know exactly what happened here. Like, no, no of I, course I, not. I, that's- I had no idea. <laughs> 
like I'll go, you know, I'll watch some YouTube videos where it's people like explaining like, okay, here's, here's actually what was going on when you're doing that rainy side quest or like, here's actually what's going on with these different demigods, like stuff they didn't give you. And like in that aspect, like, yes, it makes complete sense that there is this like rich and illustrious backstory, especially if he created it, but they, they don't give you that in the game at all. Mm. Okay. Arrington, is there anything else that you, that you found like just made this game super enjoyable that, uh, you know, kind of maybe set it apart from the Dark Souls games or Sekiro or something like that? Yeah, I'm actually so glad we got to this point. Um, the There was a point where uh, I ended up playing a side quest and the lore and, and, and the world actually, which I find very intriguing. I think that's what pulls people into it because you get this very gorgeous looking uh inviting looking game and then you get in there and they're like yeah yeah good luck figuring out fucking what anything (laughs) what the fuck is going on literally at all um Uh to the point where i actually skipped over the tutorial just because it's possible didn't mean to but that happened so Mm -hmm. again so the the whole thing about the fact that the world is just like yeah it looks gorgeous you want to figure out what's going on and they don't really give anything to you um i mean even the story has been broken down to where like i I, again let me get back to my point was i was i was doing a side quest something happened to a character in the game and i was like what in the actual fuck is going on really did that just happen and i just became obsessed about the lore you started and at this point i don't know if there's been a info dump yet on the actual lore and the, the complete facts about everything and to this point i don't think there has been but uh i just got into reddit where there's a bunch of people just theory crafting and it made me just fall in absolute love with the game at that point i was really enjoying myself up to that point um but when I got into the lore and just the idea of what was actually happening and I was to start theorycrafting for myself, that's when the game kind of became an obsession uh, because I was playing the game. And then when I got off playing the game, I was reading about it, trying to figure out what was going on from the things that I figured out on the little bits of adventuring that I did. Um, I would read an item and the, the, the description of the item would give a really odd but big chunk of information suddenly. Just a random, I mean, literally a random item. It could be like the boots on a a complete item set would have just a little bit extra information that was like, what the fuck? And you'd go, what does that mean? And you would Mm -hmm. just, again, the game (laughs) would just pull you in further and further. Uh, And I think the the lore is one of the best parts about the game. Um, Even though you don't know, I I still to this point, no one really knows what the fuck is going on completely unless you really just look up okay what tell me the the end story me i think people have gotten to that point yet but yeah i got in love with with not just the beauty of the game but the, uh, the how it was written i didn't realize what all of the parts that uh jr had done exactly i didn't realize that he was purely just kind of on the side of as far as like the origins um but i assumed that he did everything I, I i thought he did a great job but the origins about it was were great but just the the, the world as a whole was just uh, i wanted to keep coming back yeah, from software it doesn't really release, you know, like the, you know, the story story. Like they they never come out and just say, "Okay, you played the game, here's what's going on." But there is like an industry of people on YouTube who like it's it's actually their job to like make YouTube videos explaining the lore and they're the ones who will read all those item descriptions and put the pieces together. So there are people who I have see. done that and like Vadi Vidya is the most famous one, I think. But there are lots. I of literally people. heard something about him. Yeah, I'm yeah. sorry. That that makes sense now. I heard a point. I thought somebody was just saying something memeish, but now I, uh, that's an actual person, an actual yeah, thing. Okay, yeah. and gotcha. it's it's like his legit. Like that's how he makes a living is by making these lore videos, like putting these pieces together. So there are people who 
are telling the story. They've they've done the research and all that. But from software is never gonna just, you know, put out, you know, here's, you know, the design doc, here's what the story is. They'll never say that. But the community, as with all the games, is doing that. You made a good point though, um, about how the game looks and how it's just a visually more inviting game, I think. Like I think the Dark Souls games look great for what they are. They're things where you're going through these ruined kingdoms and stuff like that. And I think the environments look really good. But Elden Ring is a beautiful, colorful game in the way that none of their other games really are. You know, in like I think Bloodborne looks incredible, but the whole game takes place at night. So you don't get all the colors that you get in Elden Ring. And that, that's a good point. Like you're there are definitely places in Elden Ring where you you go into uh maybe the first time you take that elevator that lasts for 15 minutes and you see <laughs> yes. what's down at the bottom and you're like holy fuck this is like the most beautiful video game level I've ever been in and yes. those things don't really happen in dark souls uh too much and those are inviting cuz you know you want to keep going and see what the next level looks like you know if if the last one was as beautiful as it is what's the next one going to look like and that may keep you uh going forward a little bit too did for me there are sometimes the visuals of the game were incredible uh and to even to touch more about my point earlier where that sensation of beating a boss and then finally feeling that bliss distance it kind of played into the visuals and i, and I think they kind of did on a purpose like you have this sense of a dread you're going through these dingy areas that are normally dark which kind of gives you that sense that you used to have on the dark souls and demon souls mm-hmm. but once you finish that boss you get that freedom you go back to this very vibrant gorgeous world normally up top um and it, it does also play into the sense of just freedom oh my god finally it's over and back to the yeah. <laughs> i can see the sun again i can see this beautiful earth tree you know what i'm saying and so it, i think that uh yeah i think that that played into it and agreed that's one of the things i loved about this the, the color there's some games that are just so dark literally sometimes but just put me to sleep if i'm playing at a certain time uh but i i like the the feeling that the uh, the game gave you when you're up top just rolling around on that on that yak baby mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah that uh, that feeling of like overcoming a really difficult boss doesn't really do it for me uh, in these games. It's it's but it's what you said. Like I'm always about like okay, that boss was really hard. I finally got it done. I'm a little bit relieved and like feel that little sense of accomplishment, but not too much. It's more like I beat a boss. Now I've opened up a new area to go explore, go see what this new place is all about. What's this new place going to look like? What fucked yes. up NPCs are going to be in this new area? <laughs> Yes, like, agreed. That's what this game's all about for me. That's what kept me going through. But like, I, I'm a huge From Software fan. I didn't need those things the way that some people may need stuff like that to keep them going through it. So that's cool. Anything else, guys, uh, that helped you guys uh, get through it or enjoy it? Uh, the horse having a double jump. Yes, uh, I don't. Good point. I, 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 I thought that was uh, crucial and. Uh, just a tip for anybody playing the game. Spoiler free. Not going to go crazy on you. Uh, one of the first places you come to, you can buy a lantern. Buy that shit immediately because it helps. It is maybe the most useful item in the game that doesn't involve fighting at all. So, uh-huh. uh, yeah, but a, a horse having a double jump is fucking sick. I, I, yeah. don't, I don't think I've ever played a game with a horse no. had a double jump, dude. Hey, can, we talk about, that, can we talk about how pleasant it is? Yeah, it's just great. Oh, oh, bro, it it is it is pleasant noise. 
I'm going to be super fucking annoyed next time I play Red Dead Redemption 2 and I'm like, why can't I do a double jump with this horse? <laughs> and I am as obsessed with, uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce her name, Rainy, Rainy, that, that wizard chick. Ronnie. Ronnie I, I, I really wanted her so I am as obsessed with that as the weird weeby dudes on fucking Reddit. Like I am, <laughs> I, I stand for her. That's a big I, statement. I knew when I met her, I was like, well, this is going to be exactly what I do for the rest of the game. Whatever you want, I'm all on board. That is a that is a sickening hat you have there, and I <laughs> want it. Yeah, yeah, I'm 100% with you on that. Her, her look is very attractive, and her whole demeanor, I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, let's just, just tell me where you want yep. me to go. What, what, so what, do, you what do you need? Oh, into you mean this. kill oh, the you wolf? Mean, I don't care you about You want me to kill I'll these? kill that dude. Yeah, you want me to kill this? Okay, sure. Yeah, whatever you no, want. No, that dude was dead before I yeah. got to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 what? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what happened. Uh, how many more times do I have to kill somebody before I get that sweet, sweet hat of yours, my girl? And that's how it was, dude. <laughs> yep. All right, cool. Well, um, I hope that people listening to this can kind of take our three, like, and, like points on the spectrum, right? Aaron was not into From Software. Ryan had played a bunch of the games to varying degrees of enjoyment. And I am like the, I am a huge From Software fan. Um, I hope people listening to this can take all of our experiences and like kind of find where they fit on that spectrum and like kind of take it from us on how Elden Ring really is that game. It, it is what we said it is. It's the most approachable one. I haven't really heard many people who are like, um, you know, I just can't do this. Like this sucks or this is too hard. Cause if anyone was going to say that it was going to be Aaron, but Aaron found a way to get through it. You guys don't understand. <laughs> like the no, fact like, that I'm, like, I'm not being a dick here. Knows, like, no, yeah, <laughs> you should, but yes, like that's how it is. Like literally like if Aaron has the patience to beat this game, so do you. Yeah, for sure. Like I, I really do feel that way. So I'm, happy to have this conversation i'm glad that like i'm glad that you guys share the kind of opinions and you guys have uh the kind of the same experience with all of these things that make this game easier and more approachable um i'm glad that we you know were in agreement there uh thank you to katie charlie and rob for writing in with your experiences i'm definitely with you on all of those things that you said made this game more approachable for you. And I'm glad that you, you guys, I mean, Aaron, Ryan, and then also Katie, Charlie, Rob, and everyone listening. Um, I'm glad that you have had this experience. If you've played Elden Ring and feel the same way, if you're listening and you haven't played it yet, I hope this has been kind of like, maybe not convincing, but maybe kind of soothing some worries. Maybe you had because everyone, all anyone wants to talk about with from software is how hard the games are when again i will say i think every game on the nes is harder than a from software game <laughs> like that's just the way i feel Agreed. so them old games yeah so like i don't know i think elden ring would be a good starting point the only reason i would tell someone not to play elden ring is if you're not down for a 100 hour game cuz this is a long fucking game um for people like that, I would say maybe play Demon Souls. But for everyone else, like try Elden Ring. Like I think that you're gonna find a way to make the game easier for yourself. It's not Sekiro. 
and it's not even as hard and prescriptive as Bloodborne is. I think people are going to find a way to uh, to get into it. So, yeah, good stuff. Little housekeeping before we say goodbye. Uh, thank you for listening, everybody. I appreciate you. If you would like to support the show, the best things to do are subscribe. Um, if you've enjoyed the episode, a rating and or review. Uh, if your podcast platform allows it, like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podcast Addict, stuff like that. Uh, that is very helpful. I appreciate that very much. Um, Tales from the Backlog has a Discord server with uh, people in there. We have a special Elden Ring channel if you want to come in and talk about uh, Elden Ring experiences, but also, you know, general gaming stuff. What are you playing lately? Uh, share all your thoughts about that. And then lots of non-gaming stuff too. Uh, we would love to have you in the Discord. It's a fun time. We got a bunch of great people in there. Uh, come join. You'll see a link down in the show notes um, to uh, join the Discord. And also included in that Discord is the other podcast I do with Aaron called a Top 3 Podcast, where each week we pick a topic, we do our top three in that topic. Uh, sometimes it's about video games, sometimes not. So if you want to hear us talk about, you know, whatever's the uh, topic of the week, that's a good time. And also uh, jump in the Discord and share your top threes whenever we have an episode. Um, yeah, good times. Uh, Ryan was also a guest on that show before talking about video game sidekicks, although that episode devolved into just talking about Cortana mostly. <laughs> but, Very hey, hot. Hey, come on, that. <laughs> so yeah, check out a top three podcast if you think uh, top three lists are something you would enjoy uh, from uh, all of us here. Thank you very much for listening. Aaron, Ryan, thanks for joining, guys. Good conversation. Good times, as always. Yay, yay. And tune in next week for the final episode of Elden Ring Month, which is the Elden Ring Bosses tier ranking. Yeah, that'll be a good time. That'll See you next hype. week. And then uh, come back in August for games that are not Elden Ring. Mm-hmm.